Reacting to it. I'm Robbie Jeffries at NFL Robbie here with Tom Corson at Dynasty Infidel. And today we're going to cover every single game from week one, get you guys ready for week two. Uh, we would appreciate if you guys subscribe to the Fantasy Authority podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but we have a jam packed show, so we're going to dive right in. Tom, what is your week one takeaway from this first week with a weird little COVID season? All right, so last couple of weeks you heard me hyping up the Atlanta offense. Obviously, we knew they were going to do well, but uh, they are going to be able to support a lot of points out there. It is the good Matt Ryan year, which we all knew, and is also the really, really, really bad Atlanta defense season to go with that. So last year, the third target was Austin Hooper. This year, we thought it was going to be Hayden Hurst. Is it going to be Russell Gage? We're not really sure yet. I think it's... Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out as we wait on Hurst to kind of get a little bit more chemistry with Matt Ryan, but they all went nine for 12. I, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. insane. I know. So that, that original Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, top 12 thing. And then I upped it to like top eight. Yeah. Let's end <laughs> that right now. And I'm right. It doesn't even matter. So I love it. This is week one overreactions. I'm here for it. Robbie, what do you think? What's what's your week one overreaction? I think it, it's that all this coach speak, right, that we hear every single season and we have learned to not believe it because we've been lied to so many times. It turned out to be true, at least for week one. Uh, when we look at Sean McVay, he talked about a running back by committee, and that's exactly what we saw, Malcolm Brown kind of heading up that, that trio, even Darrell Henderson mixing in. Um, and then obviously Cam Akers getting his his 14 carries on the ground. Uh, Ron Rivera also said running back by committee. We were Antonio Gibson craze. And I, I, you, you heard my rant last episode. I said we need to pump the brakes on these rookies for just at least one week. Like give, give them a week, right? And I think in a couple of situations we saw that where the rookies were just in this timeshare where eventually I think they'll win out. But I, I'm not going to have them in my starting lineups uh, these first couple of weeks. So we saw that with, with Frank Wright and the Colts. Uh, getting getting Naheem Hines a lot of work, and then Bruce Arians saying Rojo is our guy. He got 17 carries, the bell cow of that offense. Now, will that continue? Uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, We're going to jump straight into the news. We have, we have Allen Robinson requesting to trade. Now, his agent has already come out publicly and said, no, they have not formally requested a trade, but he's removed the Bears from his social media. And, Tom, that's serious. So fact or fiction, will Allen Robinson be traded before week two? Fiction. He's not gonna that's not enough time to, you know, work a, a deal where it actually makes sense for the Bears. Plus, what are the Bears gonna wind up doing at, at wide receiver there? Anthony Miller, I mean, he's a very good player, but you have a top ten wide receiver in as far as an NFL wide receiver, in my opinion, Allen Robinson. He's not overly old. Uh and you're you're still going to have to beat he'll he'll wind up uh, bringing home a third round comp pick whenever he signs because the amount of money he's going to get so what team's really going to pay that price for Allen Robinson right now and then have to sign him to an extension i just don't think there's enough time to do i don't think he's going to get traded personally what do you think Robbie 
Yeah, I think this is a negotiation tactic, and I do think it will work. The Bears need him. They have behind him and Anthony Miller, they have Javon Wims. They have Riley Ridley, so they they definitely need him. Uh, Mohamed Sanu just today signed with the 49ers. Do you have any redraft interest in him, or is that a situation you're kind of avoiding? Uh, no interest at all. Absolutely yeah. none, he says. <laughs> And then we have to go to the sad news. As each week happens, we have injuries and oh-so-sad injuries that they are. And as you know, Tom, and anybody who knows, I'm a big Cowboys fan. And it's not first on our list because it's probably not the most important, but you damn it, it's the most important to me. Blake Jarwin, ACL after 25 snaps. RIP to all my newly acquired shares that I got this offseason. Got him in three new spots, five leagues total. So he will be going to the IR in all of those dynasty leagues. So he's out for the year. Also out for the year is Marlon Mack with an Achilles uh, tear. So Lamar Miller is going to work out uh, for them. Now, how do you kind of see that backfield uh, shaping out week two against the Vikings? We have Jonathan Taylor. We have Naheem Hines who had a really good week one. I know you're a big Taylor guy. Is he going to start to you know take the, the majority of the work there? Well, Wright came out and said he was the starter, but I, it's not like he came out and said, you know, Hines was the goal line back last last week either. So <laughs> that blew my my damn mind. But hey, JT, you better get your ass into the end zone, or he's gonna, you know, bring in the the little guy to you know sneak in there. So I think jo- uh, Jonathan Taylor, the receiving back for the Indianapolis Colts, obviously. <laughs> based on last week's work, uh, he'll get more rushing attempts. He'll get more snaps overall, uh, which bodes well for fantasy. And if in redraft, if you spent uh, you know, a fourth or a fifth round pick on Jonathan Taylor, he's he could wind up winning you some leagues because if there wasn't Marlon Mack in the picture, he would have been the, you know, he would have been behind CEH, but he might have had like a second round ADP there. So uh Looks good for him. Hines will still be in the mix, but uh, the thing that I took away from last week with Jonathan Taylor was they're going to throw him the ball. Yeah, is, shocking. He can catch, huh? I, I said he could catch, damn it. At, at Wisconsin, he could catch. They just don't throw to their running backs in the Wisconsin system very often. So uh, that was pretty encouraging to watch Jonathan Taylor actually get some receiving work because he's going to get rushing work, and we all knew that. So I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm firing JT up, and if you really need Naheem Hines, you can put him out there, and he might play that James White role where he's still going to get enough touches to be fantasy relevant. Yeah, absolutely. And then the the news that we probably should have let out with, if I wasn't such a Jarwin stand, would be Michael Thomas, the high ankle high ankle sprain, expected to miss several weeks now, and, and we talked about it briefly in a chat uh, earlier tonight. Is this like the best time to sell on these older assets like Manny Sanders, Jared Cook, if you're a rebuilding team in Dynasty, or these guys you might want to see play a couple games and then try and work to sell them, or what's your thought process with those two? So Sanders is coming off a a game where he played well. He had a touchdown, so I I think he's fine to sell if you can get anything for him. I'm not sure exactly what you're going to wind up getting for him. If you can get a second, are you going to take that if you're a rebuilding team, Robbie? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, I mean, that's what I'm going for as well there. So if that's the case and I can, can net a second, then sure. All day. Jared Cook isn't even going to net you a second at this point. So I don't even know if he's, he's worth it. He's more worth like attaching him to somebody else and trying to, you know, increase your pick value something like that. But yeah, I mean, we have Manny Sanders and then Traquan Smith is another one where we can see him possibly pop off for, 
you know, a D player too. And maybe you can sell him or keep him. I, I'm trading away any single saint not named Kamara or Michael Thomas. Uh, so what are, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, just, just to add to that, I, I, the reason I bring it up is because I think these guys will have to – there's, there's going to be a vacuum for targets, right? You know, 10, 12-ish targets on a per-game basis. And so if you see Emmanuel Sanders – or, or I, not you, but if others see Emmanuel Sanders with, you know, 9, 10 targets this next next week, let's say he catches 7 for, you know, 68 and a touchdown or something like that, I think that's someone that a competing team will be interested in. And I think you can get a second round. It might be, you know, maybe – a third and third and something else. But I think it, if someone's desperate enough, you can get that second. So I, I think that's, those are two guys you should look to trade if you were in rebuild mode. There's a couple of week to week injuries, Duke Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, who's actually now on the IR out for three weeks, Devontae Parker and Justin Jackson all have soft tissue issues. <laughs> Always a tongue twister to say um, they're, they're kind of week to week. So, on the day-to-day basis, we're looking at George Kittle and James Conner. And then Najoku is heading to the IR for three weeks. He has a torn MCL. So after catching a touchdown, he is already um, out of there, which will help Austin Hooper, who's someone that you and I have already said that we don't like uh, this season. But I do think that helps him a little bit. And then Philip Lindsay suffered some turf toe injury last night. He is doubtful for week two against Pittsburgh. So another individual that I am low on this year, and Melvin Gordon, gets a little bit of help with a – less crowded backfield but tom let's jump into the meat of the show we got some game recaps are you ready to blitz through all these let's kick this pig all right so we're gonna start off with the thursday night game which seems like forever ago honestly i've watched so much football <laughs> it literally seems like three months ago uh casey won 34 20 over houston all the chiefs were just golden boys they did exactly what you wanted to uh tyree kill was a little scary there in the first half uh, but ended up finding the end zone getting it done there on the flip side of the ball, we had Watson and Fuller just taking full ex- full advantage of that garbage time magic. Uh, Fuller gets eight for 112. Are you worried about Brandon Cooks? I know he wasn't healthy coming into the game. If he ever gets healthy, is that someone that you're you're interested in flexing, or are you fully in the Fuller as the one and, and Cooks as the, either the 1B or even farther down there? I think Fuller's the one and, and Cooks is the two. He's more the guy who can stretch the field, uh, you know, so to speak. And to say that some with someone playing opposite of Will Fuller, it sounds really funny, but uh, I said this to you on, I think, Friday morning. I said, is it me or did Will Fuller just look like bigger? Like he grew yes. like five inches or something like that on the screen. So I, I don't know what what I was watching. I mean, I got a new TV because I moved in a new house and it's it's nice and it's a big 65-inch TV. <laughs> I mean, maybe he did get bigger on the TV or something like that, but he just looked like a bigger player and he was he was going up and getting contested catches and everything so I, I think Brandon Cooks if he gets healthy which this was my big concern with uh, Deshaun Watson not having healthy pass catchers if he gets healthy that should be his role even though he can run those intermediate routes uh, just because you have to respect Will Fuller doing the same thing so Cooks will have more efficient deep routes as it is I'm not buying Cooks anywhere are you? Right, right. No, I mean, I still like Cooks. Um, I, I'm in wait-and-see mode. It's just for one game. He wasn't healthy coming into it, so I do think better days are ahead for him. Um, a, a deeper guy, a deeper stash guy I wanted to mention was Scotty Phillips. Um, with Duke Johnson being out, it's kind of a, a vacuum now for who's going to fill that role behind David Johnson. 
And Scotty Phillips was someone who was on the Texans practice squad who will most likely get called up. CJ Procise is, is another guy that they signed in early September. So two guys to just maybe keep your eye on in, in deeper dynasty leagues. Um, Scotty Phillips is out of Ole Miss and really bald, honestly. Like when I was watching DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, that duo there um, for Ole Miss, he's a guy that kept on flashing in that offense. So just a guy that that I really like. He's 5'8", 208. Um, we'll see. We'll see who fills the vacuum, but just a guy I think you can have on your taxi squad as a rookie. And speaking of David Johnson, people blew up. They, they forgot that David Johnson was hashtag good at football. He is good at football. He's been injured. He's had, you know, just a tough go of it. After seeing Thursday night, are you overreacting? Are you moving him up into running back one range? Are you keeping him kind of where he was? He was kind of consensus running back 17-ish in our preseason uh, ADP consensus. Where are you putting DJ in your running back rankings for the rest of the season? So I'm going to move him up. Um, I was waiting one week to see how he actually looked because we haven't seen him play football in a while, so we, we really weren't sure. And I'll tell you what, he's still got that jump cut. He's got the burst, that touchdown run. It basically showed everything that was good about David Johnson. So I'm going to actually move David Johnson up because I was waiting for week one to actually come around and watch him play football because we haven't seen him play in a while. So he's going to be right in that 10 to 12 range, and I think he can – go up, you know, in the top half of that if he actually plays the way he's supposed to and he stays healthy because he's going to get the volume there, especially, we know, Duke Johnson's hurt. So DJ can be a bell cow, plus we don't know how Houston is going to play for the rest of the season. They got boat raced by KC a little bit. So if they're going to have garbage time, he's going to be the one they're going to dump it off to and he's going to get most of the volume. What about you? Yeah, I think you like him just a little bit more than I do. He was running back. I think I had him right at consensus. Like he was running back 16 or 17, right next to Carson and Connor, uh, that area for me. And I'm not going to move him up a ton because this was a lot of garbage time. Again, they can they can have that. Um, I don't think Houston's defense is absolute trash. I'll probably have him as like a fringe RB1, RB2 most weeks. But, yeah, I'm not quite moving him into that upper echelon. You know, I'm not moving him above. Jacobs or Mixon or Sanders, any of those those guys kind of in that running back 10-ish, 11-ish range. Yeah, he's not moving above like those guys for me. But well, Those guys are all at lower end, right? Those are all running back. I have them eight, nine, I think, a little bit higher. I got to bring my rankings up. But if, if that's the case, then I'm probably right on the same page with you. But I think he can wind up seeing the end of the season as, you know, 10 to 12 range is a low end RB1. With running back, it's like whoever can stay healthy for 16 games normally gets that ball into running back one territory more often than not. Uh, we got to keep moving here. A lot of games to get to. Seattle and Atlanta. Seattle put the absolute beat down on Atlanta, and they were playing catch-up. Real quick, do you think that a kicker should get points for anybody who still uses kickers in their leagues, which I'm unfortunate to have to do in uh, one or two redraft leagues? If a kicker kicks an onside kick and it gets recovered – Special team should get a point. Kicker should get a point. Thoughts on that? The DST should get a point if you have a DST, and that's about it. A point? This is so rare, Tom. Kickers aren't so real people. Rare. Kickers aren't people? Because kickers aren't even real people. <laughs> the end. <laughs> DSTs get them. That's it. If you still play with both of them. They kick a ball. I do, unfortunately, they make I do, unfortunately, in some of my leagues. But we'll get on to the actual game. So Atlanta's defense was an absolute sieve through the air. Russell just chewed him up for three touchdowns. Uh, he actually only had four incompletions the entire game, which was kind of wild. 
Uh, Chris Carson balled out early. His, his yardage was actually not that great. And he only had six carries to Carlos Hyde seven, but he does find the end zone twice, one through the air, one on the ground. And Atlanta, or were both of them actually through the air? Now that I say that, I think he might have had both of them were receiving touchdowns. Either way, he had two touchdowns. So Atlanta fell behind really early. And as you talked about at the top of the show, they absolutely balled out. <laughs> this is why they're going to throw 600 times uh, in the season. This is why you loved them. I think Matt Ryan should flirt with top five quarterback numbers uh, in most weeks. Now, thoughts on Gage? I know you briefly talked about him at the beginning as an end-of-roster guy. Is this a dynasty trade target for you? He had a good week, so obviously that price might get um, – you know, might rise a little bit, but is this a guy that you might trade for if next week he goes, you know, three for 30 or something like that? Yeah. I mean, so in a lot of leagues, you might actually be able to pick him up off the waiver wire. So I, I would be doing that and I would try and trade for him if you can. Uh, but if somebody owned Gage, it was probably like you and I were like Gage season. Yeah. Before the season, you're getting a little excited about him. Yes. Um, but Fun fact about Gage, between uh, he was tied for the most elusive wide receiver uh, in week one. He actually made four people miss after the catch. He was tied with uh, Jameson Crowder there. So once he gets a ball in the hands, he, he can move. And it's not like you're going to shift coverage over to <laughs> to Russell Gage, away right. Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. So um, he's going to get some catches. And he's actually got a pretty high floor for – somebody playing with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley each week just because the amount of times that they're likely going to throw the ball and he's not going to see top coverage against them. So he could eat. What do you think? Yeah, no, as you know, I've been on the Russell Gage train all off season and this is exactly why they're going to throw a ton and he is third in line. And if there's an injury to two individuals, we know have been injured before in Julio and Ridley, all the more Russell Gage and for dynasty purposes, I think he's only like 25, 24, 25. So I think this is absolutely a guy that you could get for a third and someone that just needs to be on your roster if you can make that trade. We'll move on to, I don't even know if we can call this a game, Tom. Honestly, it was uh, Baltimore 38 over the Browns who had six. Cleveland still stinks, hashtag. It might be a week one overreaction, but they are hashtag not great. Now we will not just crap on the city of Cleveland this entire show. We will not because, be known as that podcast. No, because Lamar did it for them. Yes, uh, he definitely did. But as he does to a lot of uh, opposing defenses. So it, it might be confirmed that Freddie Kitchens is still there. We are unsure. But here's, <laughs> here's the question I have for you. And, and I'll ask this with Sam Darnold as well when we get to the Jets. But Baker and Sam Darnold are, are two guys that have been highly touted. You know, they were early round, uh, you know, number one overall pick and number three overall pick are these guys that if they have a bum season this year, that they're just going to drop out of that, you know, top 15 in, in dynasty for, for the quarterback position. What are your thoughts on those two? They both could. Um, so I don't know if that makes them a buy or, or what, but the fact that I'm sitting here wondering who the better quarterback is to own between Baker Darnold and Gardner Minshew is the most telling thing you possibly can think of because, you know, Gardner Minshew should not have that job in Jacksonville next season, but if he plays the way that he's been playing, are they going to take Trevor Lawrence? Because guess what? They might not be able to because they might win too many games a la the Miami Dolphins, even though it worked out for him with Tua. So yeah, it's, I am officially worried about Baker. I've been worried about Darnold. 
Uh, I thought Darnold's coach was going to bring him down. Uh, as soon as they kept Gase, I was scared to death of what he was going to look like. He doesn't have weapons there. Baker should be even scarier, though, because he has weapons. And right. he's not producing. So Darnold at least has an excuse because he's got Gase, who's just a train wreck, and he's got no one to throw to other than Jamison Crowder. They get rid of uh, Robbie Anderson. They don't use Le'Veon Bell properly. So are they actually going to bring back Adam Gase? Like my head's going to explode that they, I don't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't. Do yeah. It. I, I, don't, I don't think Adam Gase is long for the job there in New York. I do think he'll be out that the jets are just a wreck right now. And part of that's injury, but a lot of it is Adam Gase. And so I'm not sure what happens once he's gone, you know, it's kind of up in there. I don't even know who would be the, the interim coach there. That's probably something I should look into, but um, I think that's one thing that maybe sits on Sam Darnold's side of, of he's so young. He came in as one of the youngest QBs. Um, I think he was, I think he was 20, honestly. So now we're two seasons, only 22, 23. There's some quarterbacks that aren't even coming out at, you know, until they're 23, 24. So he's still really young, but a Baker on the other hand, man, like this is, like you said, it's just scary. He just does. He has the weapons and he's not getting it done. Week one overreaction or not. We'll uh, yeah. What do you got? Yeah, no, he's he's 23. He just turned 23 two months ago. So, I mean, he's got plenty of football left in him. It's just when you have a coach that can ruin a quarterback and set them back, that's the scariest thing in the world because it's going to be a new regime that didn't draft him, so they're not connected to him because a head coach wants their own guy no matter what happens because their job security is tied with the QB. So there's just – a lot in the air. I still can't believe they brought Case back last year, and now he's doing it again. So, yeah, finishing up the the Brown side of things. I think you called it. You know, it's a it's a complete split backfield between Hunt and Chubb. Hunt Kareem Hunt gets thirteen carries to Chubb's ten. Their snaps were basically 50-50. Um, and then Najoku looked like the tight end one, as we said at the top of the show. He had three for fifty and a touchdown. I think Hooper gets a slight bump with him heading to IR, but again, like it's just kind of scary times in, in Cleveland. So we'll have to monitor that as they head into week two Thursday night against the Bengals on the flip side, we have Mark Andrews is a beast. He is a scary man because he's now getting snaps. Uh, he had a career high in snaps at 71%. Um, he went five for 58 with two touchdowns. I personally have him right there next to Kelsey in my dynasty rankings. I don't have him above Kelsey, but it's literally back to back. I know other people had like a threshold, right? They had a, uh, Kittle, Kelsey, kind of the one-two really close, and then they had a big gap before they got to Andrews. I'm not sure where you're at. Are you are you kind of like Andrews is right there with him, or is he still need to prove it a little bit more? No, he's right there with you. I, I don't I don't know what else he has to prove. He's he's in an offense where he doesn't even need you know ten targets to go out there and be efficient because that offense just marches down the field and he's the red zone weapon out there. So I. <laughs> he's ridiculously good. I'm glad I own him in like 80, 80% of the leagues because I, when, when it still blows my mind that uh, they draft him in the third and Hayden Hurst in the first. And you're like, okay, <laughs> they just right. drafted their tight end one in the third round after blowing a first round pick on him. So uh, he's, he's fantastic. He's, he deserves to be in the top three there. I don't see him going anywhere. And this time next year, he's going to be number two, in my opinion, because in Dynasty, we're all ageists anyway. Um, and, you know, that's that, as they say. Yeah, another guy that I thought, you know, maybe didn't have a stellar game, but someone that got a lot of run 
Um, he had the most targets, or excuse me, not the most targets, but the most snaps uh, at the wide receiver position was Miles Boykin for that Ravens offense. In closer games, I think he'll have flex upside, honestly, as a possession wide receiver for Lamar Jackson. So that's a guy, especially in dynasty leagues, we're talking about potential trade targets that are cheap. I think he's worth a third round, um, someone that I think will develop. He is a, a great sideline, um, go up and get it type of receiver. And then Dobbins comes out and does exactly what we hoped Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor would do. He just punches it right into the end zone. And people are saying now that uh, Mark Ingram is the handcuff to J.K. Dobbins. So they split basically the work. Ingram's had 10 carries, Dobbins had seven, Lamar had seven on his own right, and then Gus Edwards had four. Um, is this a backfield that you think is just going to be one guy one week, one guy another? No, I think Dobbins eventually takes this role because the one thing you look at uh, is I look at the eye test, obviously. Dobbins just looked like he was on a different level than than Mark Ingram last week. Uh, Gus Edwards is always going to have a role. Ingram is going to have a role. They're going to cut into Dobbins. But Dobbins just looked like by far the best running back last week. And they Baltimore doesn't pull any punches. If you look better, again, we look at Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst. It doesn't matter about draft position and how much money you make or anything. They're going to go out there and they're just going to play who the best player is. So I think Dobbins is the one clearly you want to own in, in redraft. And I, I think eventually he'll wind up taking that job until it's like a 65-35 split between everybody else at least. Yeah, absolutely. And our Scott Fishbowl team hopes that happens as we have J.K. Dobbins. Moving on to Buffalo, they take down the Jets 27-17. The Jets, as we already talked about, are an absolute train wreck. Nothing new. Bell is out. There's some Josh Adams maybe in Dynasty. Frank Gore with low low upside for a redraft. But let's talk about the team that actually has some offensive firepower here. So Josh Allen absolutely smashes, I think, in a great matchup. He completes 71% of his passes, which is insane for Josh Allen, right? Yeah, so he, he obviously does really good. Those are quarterbacks I want to stream is anybody who plays against that Jets defense. Uh, Stephon Diggs, Brown, you know, they got nine, ten targets. Brown gets the TDs. Diggs is eight for 86. You know, are, are you buying this passing offense? I mean, they threw a lot. Diggs was a preseason bust for me, but obviously comes out week one and gives me the middle finger. You know, is this just uh, they had a good matchup or is this something that we will see going forward? I think they had a little bit of both, but I think it was more the matchup. Uh, also, by the, by the way, I think it was in the first quarter when Josh Allen had tried the little stupid shuffle pass thing or whatever that, that got intercepted, and I'm like, what are you doing? I owe, yeah, I owe you play. I own you places, and you're, you're going to pull this shit? And then he yep. actually went out and played played pretty well. So um, that was what I, I thought was most promising was Josh Allen looked really good. Uh, it wasn't just the Jets, I don't think. I'm not sure about the pass catchers. They're going to be a little bit harder to predict, which is why I said that. I'm not sure who to start each week because they're both very good. They have similar skill sets. Um, it, I don't know if they have – there's not going to be enough volume to support those two wide receivers each week. Uh, one of them is going to disappoint you. Yeah, man, it, it's – it's kind of a toss-up, and again, I didn't love the Bills' passing game uh, to be to go in with, but we'll have to see because they had a good week one, and I don't think we can knock that despite the easy matchup. Going over to Las Vegas, they defeated the Panthers 34-30. to Josh Jacobs, everyone said this is the year where Josh Jacobs can catch passes, and he absolutely goes out and does that. 
Jalen Richard, who is the only man left in town really to, to catch the ball in lieu of him. Got a whopping seven snaps, one touch the entire game. So he seems like an all, all running back one. He's someone that I will move up this next week. On the wide receiver side, it's a little bit more quiet. Henry Ruggs had a, a good deep shot. I think it was a 40-yard catch, 45-yard catch, something like that. But other than that, he's kind of quiet, two other receptions. And I think people are still searching for Brian Edwards. I'm not sure if he's been located, but he played 74% of snaps and had one catch. So not sure if you have any thoughts on on those rookies. Do you think it's just, hey, the rookies are going to take some time? Or are you kind of concerned? Uh, I'm a bit concerned. I I, <laughs> I think we, we know who the number one target there is. It's Darren Waller, and it's not even remotely close. And then it might be the running backs, and then it might be the wide receivers. So you can't start any of them if you have them. Uh, that's clearly a mistake until somebody emerges. Um, I, yeah, the Brian Edwards one, I thought he would have at least something and nothing. That's I, I don't know if that's just the beginning of something where it's, okay, eh, it's never going to happen again, which is what I hope, but that I, I was shocked about that. Yeah, not, not to, to pound on this, but – I remember seeing a tweet that said, you know, Derek Carr, you know, averaged, I can't even remember the, the number of passing yards and Darren Waller is still on the team, but people are hyping up Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards as if they're going to be, you know, wide receiver twos. And I just, I didn't think the, the offensive, the passing offense volume could support both of that. Now, again, one week, I still think they're rookies. And, and as I said on our Sunday show, and as I'll say again, rookies are going to take time. And so, Anybody who's overreacting to these rookies not being great, I think they, they take time, especially the wide receivers. I think they're more second-half players, so I'm not worried about either of them. I didn't have them as high as everyone else did, but I don't need to move them down because that's where I had them anyways. To the other side of the ball, this guy named Robbie Anderson. What a great name, R-O-B-B-Y, the correct <laughs> way to spell Robbie. Absolutely tears it up. Six for 115 and one. Teddy Bridgewater finds him all over the field. So – we are a dynasty show. We have the TFA Dino show. What are your thoughts on on Robbie Anderson? Is this a guy you're interested in right now? His DLF ADP is wide receiver 66, like the basement, right? Is this somebody that you would flip for maybe a Chase Claypool, who's a hot rookie name, or a Van Jefferson, who's a hot rookie name, or are you still rookie fever? I want to stick with these guys. Obviously, it's team dependent, but let's just say in a vacuum, which side do you like? Robbie Anderson, because if you look at are you, are you going to trade Robbie Anderson for a third? No. No. Are you going to trade him for a second? Yes. Late second. I don't know. <laughs> very, very late second. because that, that, Chase, That's probably his, his trade value right there, late right, second. Chase Claypool and Van Jefferson, if they went in the second round, that's because people generally really like them mm-hmm. early on in rookie drafts. So that's what the value is. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take the guy that can actually produce. Robbie Anderson's 27 years old. He's not old. And he's got right. this really cool trick where it's called running fast past a lot of people. And yes, that and makes quarterbacks. Officers. Yes. And police officers. <laughs> erroneous. <sometimes>. Erroneous. <laughs> <laughs> but that makes him a very valuable commodity. So guess what? Yeah, he's going to score touchdowns. He's going to score long touchdowns. And he's been doing it on the Jets for years, and no one pays attention because it's on the goddamn Jets. So the fact that he's doing it somewhere else should just say, hey, maybe he's actually good at football. No, you're absolutely right. So we're going to keep rolling here. We have Chicago beating the Lions 27-23. And, oh, DeAndre Swift, what have you done to me in the end zone? 
end of the game. Shot heart, and you're too late. You got two hands. Use them. Oh, my gosh, man. That is the trombone sound if we were smart enough to use those in our podcast, maybe someday. He goes three for eight on the ground. Um, he does have three catches, should have had four and a touchdown, a game winner, but he doesn't. Again, I'm not worried about a rookie. He had a worse game than I expected, but I'll be patient with him. Adrian Peterson, though, he is inevitable. He is always going to be there, it seems like. I don't know how, but he goes 14 for 93. He had a good run of 21 yards that I remember uh, watching. So he he honestly looked good. Or on the flip side, Kerryon Johnson looked dreadful. Uh, again, it's one week, not going to overreact, but – Give me your thoughts on this backfield. I think this one in the Rams backfield just has so many guys and people need to figure out or want to figure out like what to do with them maybe in the next couple of weeks. You need an injury to kind of settle things a little bit because Adrian Peterson is going nowhere. Um, DeAndre Swift is going nowhere. So on Johnson needs to kind of, I don't know, get some cartilage stuff done to his knees because he looks slow and – Go get that Kobe Bryant surgery done in Europe for the rest of the season and try and come back with some stem cells or something. I don't know, but it's painful. It's it's kind of what we thought it was going to be. It's painful to watch because you never know what's going to happen. And AP, you know, he could get 14 for 93 but not get in the end zone and still only get you like 9.3 points. Right, right. If you have to start one for week two, who who would you start out of those three? Ugh. Probably Adrian Peterson. Okay. I think I would agree, but I do not like it. Moving on to their wide receivers. How about this name? Another Wisconsin guy. You mentioned one earlier. Quintez Cephas uh, started in place of Kenny Galladay and led the team in targets with 10 targets. I think this is a good guy to keep in mind, especially in dynasty leagues. He is a maybe a fourth-round uh, pick for uh, a trade target here. Flipping to the other side of the ball, Mitch Trubisky was ugly for – three quarters of this game, but somehow managed to turn this into a three touchdown game. He ended up as a top 10 quarterback, which is truly Mitch Trubisky fashion. Um, Anthony Miller turned in a nice four reception, 76 yards and a touchdown. We have this A-Rob news now. Are we just super low on Anthony Miller? Now this is before the A-Rob news. Were we just super low or is is this just a, a week one, week one fluke maybe? I think some of us were super low. Some of us weren't. I'm pointing to myself. Y'all can't see because it's a podcast <laughs> and not a live YouTube thing. But um, yeah, the way if you were paying attention last year, the way he finished the season off, he was a really good receiver, especially in fantasy. So um, he picked up right where he was, right where he left off, in spite of the fact that his quarterback is basically just I don't know. I have no good analogy for Mitchell Trubisky at this point, and I have a lot of really good analogies. He's that bad. <laughs> um, so if, lo and behold, you get Nick Foles coming in, Anthony Miller could actually be something really good. So he's a good NFL player. I think he's going to be a better fantasy player moving forward. He's still young. I'm buying. Yeah, I, I am as well. Um, and oddly enough, I actually just traded him away, had to get a tight end uh, for Jarwin in one of the many leagues I told you about at the top of the show. So, Obviously, the day I trade Anthony Miller, this A-Rob news would come out, but I'm not salty about it. 
We'll move on to what I think was one of the more interesting outcomes of a game. Jacksonville defeated the Colts 27-20 in a game that we thought would go the absolute other way. Phillip Rivers, despite leading for most of the game until the late four, threw it 46 freaking times, man. 46. I, I, I don't understand, and I don't think anyone understands. So Paris Campbell was one of those beneficiaries. He got nine targets, and I think this is somebody who I hyped a lot during this offseason as a, a year two guy that you should grab that had a down rookie season. And and there was a lot of talk about Michael Pittman over and over and over. And in DLF's ADP, Michael Pittman was over Paris Campbell, who was down in like the wide receiver 58 or 60, somewhere around there. And so I think this is a good sign. He matches up well with what Philip Rivers does. Another position that matches up well with what Philip Rivers does is those running backs. They got 17 of those 46 targets. Here's a question for you. Obviously, it's easy to say waiver priority first, second, third, but what about Fab? How much money would you drop a hundred dollar Fab budget on Naheem Hines for going into week two? Like ten percent. That's it. So you're not going to win him, probably. No, probably not. I okay. I had so uh, my home leagues both have. Uh, Waivers on Tuesdays, which I'm going to wind up moving into Wednesdays uh, because I commish one of them, but it's just one of those like archaic things where people had it on Tuesdays to start with. So we already had ours run, and I didn't win either one of them. He went for – no, we do real money. He went for 17 real dollars in one league, and he went for $12 in another one, which I – you're not going to, I'm not going to spend that money on them. So it's, and I have Jonathan Taylor in both leagues. So it's, it's not worth it for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably drop a little bit more, especially if you're running back needy. I know some of these uh, running backs either disappointed or if you had Marlon Mack or something like that, some of these, um, you know, guys you might need to, to plug and play if, if you had Darrell Henderson or something like that. So maybe that's some of that I'd do maybe 20%, maybe even 25% if you're super needy, but yeah, I agree. Um, he's going to have good games, and he's going to have some down, some down games. It's, it's going to be up and down. PPR leagues, he's more enticing. Going to the other side of the football, Gardner Minshew, one incompletion against the Indianapolis Colts defense, which I think is one of the up-and-coming defenses. I mean, what? Come on, Colts. Like That's absolutely ridiculous. He had three TDs to go along with that. Undrafted free agent, James freaking Robinson, goes 16 for 62, which doesn't sound – Super sexy, but for a, a running back room who we didn't know who was going to be started, Chris Thompson, uh, James Robinson, heck, was Gardner Minshew just going to start at running back? It was just kind of all over the place. Uh, what, what's kind of your thoughts on that back? That's another one that's just kind of all over the place. So I do believe he was the only running back in the NFL to uh, actually have every single rush uh under his belt. So he had all the carries that the Jacksonville Jaguars running backs had. So I think he's a pretty safe bet to buy, to tell you the truth. And I wasn't really like huge into James Robinson. I wasn't really sure, but I, I would buy him um, before I'd buy Naheem Hines all day. Okay. How much are we, are we tackling? Let's talk in fab again. I know not a ton of people playing fab, but I think if you can give the dollar amounts, it kind of gives the priority for all those other leagues. So he's probably closer to 20, 25% for me uh, just because I think he's going to get the touches and I, I'm not sure that, that Hines is going to be uh, doing that. So, Yeah, here's the thing for me is 
I don't think this is a game script that they will always play with. I know they were down for a lot of it and it just doesn't make a ton of sense, but I think 16 carries is probably like the high end form. Honestly, I don't, I don't know if he's going to get a ton more than that. So it's going to have to be on his efficiency, which with that Jags offensive line uh, with their defense, I think they're going to be playing catch up. He only had one target, I think uh, maybe one reception on the, uh, passing side. So this is not a guy I see a huge um, ceiling with. Then again, if you're desperate for running backs, we're talking about the Naheem Hines, the James Robinsons, the Benny Snells. So this is definitely a, a top three running back wave of priority. And then we would be remiss if we did not mention Kev's guy, Keelan freaking Cole, just <laughs> coming out there and balling 66% of the snaps, second most behind DJ Chark, or as you say, DJ Shark. DJ Shark. Yeah, DJ Shark. Shark attack. He went five for 47 with one touchdown. Keenan Cole did. Uh, With D.D. Westbrook bringing a healthy scratch, he he was out for a lot of training camp. He's still kind of learning the the new system. But, you know, that's – Keenan Cole isn't a rookie. That's that's really weird, right? Like, he's not a rookie. I know it's a new system, and he he was out for it. But him being a healthy scratch, I think that kind of raises my eyebrows. He played more than than Keelan Cole, or excuse me, he played more than Chris Conley. He played more than Lavisca Chenault. Like, is is Keelan Cole a guy that we need to have our have our eyes on? I don't think he's a bad like. If you're in a deep league and he's not rostered, that's not a bad pickup at all because they're going to be throwing the ball. If you have an injury to uh, DJ Ch- Shark. then he's going to get uh, enough targets to actually be fantasy relevant because of how many times they're going to have to throw the ball. Yeah, I agree. He he was very surprising and and props to Kevin for being probably honestly the only person I saw this entire off season uh, hyping up. That is Keelan Cole. Green Bay absolutely walloped the Vikings. The, the, The score is a little bit closer, 43 to 34, but it was their game through and through. I think Aaron Rodgers took a dump on everybody who's been trashing him for the past two seasons, and he said, you know what? You want to draft a quarterback in the first round? You want to not draft me a wide receiver, heir appearance on the team? No, I don't think so. I'm still a QB1. Has has OBJ been trashing uh, Aaron Rodgers too, or, or no? M- must be. I don't know. Every, all of the haters have been on him, and he came out and said, no, no, no. I'm still the guy in town. So he goes off for 364, four touchdowns. He got two to Devontae Adams, his bay. Uh, he had one to MVS and one to Alan Lazard. You know what I really noticed? Because I watched a lot of this game. It was on in my region. Um, so I, I, I normally roll with red zone on the main screen. I have whatever the regional game is on the side little TV. It's basically an iPad. But I was still able to see MVS just running past the defense every other play. Uh, he missed on a couple throws by inches. If MVS connects on a couple more of those, he honestly has over a hundred on like three or four catches. So he's a guy that seems to be back in Rogers. Good graces. Um, I don't know if you have a favorite between Lazard or MVS, but it was definitely Lazard for me beforehand. I know it's only one week, but MVS has jumped up a couple notches for me. What say you? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, to tell you the truth, I, I value explosive plays more than, uh, Anything else, probably MVS over Lazard, but that's just a toss-up, to tell you the truth, and you're not sure. But we do know that Devontae Adams is still hashtag good and is going to get 6,000 targets this year. Yeah, man. I remember Kevin Cody, I believe, did a – 
was it Julio versus Devonte mm -hmm. Adams? I think, or, or some some so. one of our player um, comparisons. And Kev made the argument that Devonte Adams should be wide receiver one just because he's going to be absolutely peppered with targets, and he was. So week mm -hmm. one, he is correct. Who wasn't peppered with targets would be Jay Sternberger. <laughs> R.I.P. to Jay Sternberger. He was fourth in tight end snaps, not even like fourth, you know, as pass catchers at his own position. He was behind Robert Tanyan, Mercedes Lewis, Josiah DeGuara. Those are three guys that sound like you shouldn't be behind them. I mean, one's a rookie, one's 38 years old. Robert Tanyan, what? Like, I am done with Jay Sternberger. I know I was hyping him up all offseason. I am overreacting to this. Are you overreacting to Jay Sternberger with one? Uh, one target. Well, when the when the unofficial depth chart came out and he was behind Robert Tanyan, it was time to get a little bit concerned. And then you see what's going on with him being behind Mercedes Lewis and Degara. Yeah, I think it's time that we kind of freak out a little bit about it because I was hyped about him too. So I, I'm gonna hold okay. on to him for another week or two, and then I think it's it's dropville. Yeah, okay. I got all that out of my system. I'm actually not off the bandwagon completely. He still is a very young tight end. We know tight ends <laughs> take a while to develop. I just had to get that ran off my chest. He's severely disappointed me as somebody who I've been hyping, you know, as a potential sleeper tight end. So not a great week one, but we'll see what comes the rest of the season. Minnesota side, Gary Kubiak had to play catch a football. And you know what? He let Kirk Cousins let it loose. They threw it a hole 25 times, which might be a record high for Kirk Cousins in the past two seasons. I don't know. Adam Thielen gets uh, six of those receptions for 110 yards and two touchdowns, but the rest was kind of ugly. B.C. Johnson, Justin Jefferson, Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph, you know, nothing really stands out to me. You know, what did stand out to me was Alexander Madison might actually have standalone value. He had 80 total yards on just 10 touches. So, Here's the question for you on, from a dynasty perspective. Are you targeting Justin Jefferson, Irv Smith, you know, if they have a couple more quiet weeks as a low volume passing offense, maybe these guys have, you know, of the next five weeks, four of them are just meh games. Are these guys that you think you can start throwing some trade offers for? And if so, which, what would you be trading them for? If you can get Justin Jefferson for a second, then you smash accept on that all day just because he's going to wind up getting the volume eventually. Wide receivers don't just, you know, come directly out of the box and they're monsters. We saw it with, you know, uh, the Raiders with Edwards and, and Ruggs. You can't necessarily just be a rookie wide receiver and get immediate production. So if somebody gets impatient, sure, go by Justin Jefferson. Irv Smith. I've liked Irv Smith. I'm I'm still not sure about any of the tight ends there getting enough volume to actually be fantasy relevant as far as like a top ten or a top twelve tight end. So I'm not buying him actively. I would throw some offers after Justin Justin Jefferson though. Yeah, another game that was on my TV screen a lot this Sunday was New England, who scored 21 and beat the Miami Dolphins, who had 11. You know Cam. We, we, we've talked about this before. When healthy Cam is on the field, he's a top five quarterback. And currently right now we have a healthy Cam. He had, uh, he only had 155 yards passing on 15 of 19, but he absolutely just balled out on the ground. Uh, he got two rushing touchdowns. Like I've been hyping Cam. I obviously had him in my top 10 for a long time since they signed him. I think consensus was more around QB, you know, 13, 14, 15, um, are you, are you on the Cam bandwagon as well? 
We'll tell you what, uh, Josh McDaniels took a look at that Tebow tape when he was out in Denver, and he basically said, okay, so this is what we're going to do. <laughs> he ran 50% of his plays out of play action, which is by far the highest out of starting quarterbacks, and he completed 88.9% of those in play action as opposed to 70% without it. So I think what we're going to see is we're going to see more RPOs, which is what he should be running anyway. Uh, which is very good because when you see a coaching staff actually, oh, I don't know, coach to their players' strengths, it's it's very, you know, it's good to see. It's refreshing. We thought that New England and McDaniels and Belichick were going to use him correctly, but we weren't really sure. So now that we have, you know, confirmation that they're going to do this, I think Cam's only going to get better. He's only going to build rapport with everyone. So, Fire Cam up. He looked good to me, and they're going to use him right, and he's going to get in the end zone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that Cam being there helps this next player in Sony Michelle, who didn't have a great yards per carry, honestly didn't look great, but he found the end zone. And I think that's what we always overlook with Sony Michelle is that he does have that touchdown upside on a week-to-week basis, but he never really looks great doing it. So I think that's why a lot of people are normally down on him. Um, he had a great redraft price. He was going, obviously, with his injury, he was suppressed down like the ninth, 10th round. So I think that was a guy that a lot of people got late, and hopefully he will produce, you know, hopefully scoring seven, eight touchdowns this year. I'm a little nervous for Julian Edelman's value. The passing volume obviously was low in week one. Maybe in a, in a tighter game it will rise up. But Julian Edelman's has always been a volume type of receiver, so that's a guy I've been uh, a little bit nervous on from week one. Flipping the script to the other side, Miles Gaskins, of all people, led the backfield with nine rushes for 40 yards, and he also had the most receptions of the entire team. He tied, actually, with Devontae Park with four receptions, um, Then he had 28 or 26 yards on those four receptions. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was bad, Ryan. He was bad Fitzy today on Sunday. I'll edit that. He was bad Fitzy on Sunday. He's already said that – coach has already said that he'll get the start on week two – but he was not great. And I, I want you, Tom, to name a Dolphins player that you're comfortable starting here in week two because it's hard for me to find one. Maybe Preston Williams. What say you? Uh, yeah, Preston Williams. That's the only one. And, um, yeah. The you fact, love Mike Gusecki. Uh Who are they playing week two? I was just going to look at it. I got to look it up. But um, not yet. No, not until Ryan – Fitzpatrick actually shows that uh, he can actually support that beard game that he supported last year because did not look good. The fact that your head coach has to come out in week two before this, before the game even starts and say, he's going to be our starter next week. That tells you everything you need to know about how bad he actually played. So uh, I'm not, no. I'm probably yeah. not going to – Preston Williams, that's about it, just because he could go off. Gusecki at the same – he could go, you know, six for 60 and a touchdown, but I, it's just not the upside that I'm looking for with with that floor that he could have nothing at all. Yeah, I think with Devontae Parker potentially maybe missing a week or two here with his hamstring injury, that could help those two players that we just named, but – uh, that'll be a situation we have to monitor as the week progresses. Moving over to Washington beating your Philadelphia Eagles. I'm so sorry, but you guys had so many injuries. They beat you guys 27 to 17. Carson Wentz had more hits on Sunday than a bong at a music festival. They had eight sacks on him, Tom. They had eight sacks. 
I felt like they were playing with four offensive linemen. Like what, what's going on there? He had eight sacks, but he got pressured 20 times, Robbie. 20 Sounds times. Like a lot. The only other player who had more was Daniel Jones with 26. And one, which we'll get to later on, had 19. One, Dakota, I'm sorry, Dakota Rain Prescott, or if it's backwards, uh, I don't know, but it's fine. I'm, I'm already in my black redness of <laughs> anger, Eagle fan. But they didn't use Carson correctly. They rolled him out <laughs> the first series, and it was like, this game is going to just be, they're going to kill him. They go up 17-0. Then they just drop him back, and they just let Washington pin their ears back because they didn't have Miles Sanders. They knew they weren't going to run the ball. Then Boston Scott gets hurt, so they couldn't run the ball even when they couldn't run the ball, and it was just a hot damn mess. So I'm con- I'm concerned I because of their offensive line more than anything else. And Doug Peterson actually did not do any favors to Carson Wentz because, again, he didn't roll him out. He didn't get him away from the horrible uh, pass protection that he was getting. And here's the one thing. We're, we're going to talk about another game with, you know, Bobby Trees and the Rams later on and, and your Dallas Cowboys. The one thing that they do so well out there is quick wide receiver screens. These screens yep. and the plays that they were drawing up for Carson last week were taking between four to five seconds to develop. And you have no offensive line. You're trying to get him killed at that point. I thought they were going to throw screens, but the screens that they were drawing up, it was three seconds. Of... I can't do it, Robbie. All right, you've hit your time. You're actually well over your time for your Eagles rant. I hopefully will not go as long when we get to my Cowboys rant, but there was a, a positive for your Eagles. Dallas Goddard, Dallas Goddard looked absolutely great. Um I think he was a great streaming pick by yours truly for week one. Um, and Ertz gets bailed out by a touchdown. He did not have the volume that we were hoping he would have, but he did get the one touchdown. And everybody else was kind of yuck. Uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Jalen Rager had one for 55. But other than that, it was very quiet. Greg Ward is Greg Ward. I am a Greg Ward stand now, but uh, he's kind of, you know, there. I'm going to go to the other side real quick and we'll get you back in. Uh, Peyton Barber, again, we talk about these inevitable Adrian Peterson, Peyton Barber. He was 17 for 29 with two touchdowns. Like, what is this? I'm, I'm tired of these guys just messing up our our backfields. We already have enough of that with all the rookies that went to odd landing spots this year. So this is a guy that's just going to continue to be relevant for all the wrong reasons. Gibson only managed 26 snaps. Bright's love was a healthy scratch. So that backfield's a mess. But – so Logan Thomas, on the other hand, is a guy that had a team high eight targets, and he's a guy that I mentioned on episode four, our deep dynasty sleepers. He's a guy that I've been on all offseason, and I think he needs to be rostered in every dynasty league. He probably is now after this uh, game, but he is somebody that Haskins looks towards early and often. What are your final thoughts on this game? Please do not continue to rant about your Eagles. Go. No, I won't. So Carson actually attempted a ton of deep balls last week, but for the most part, if you watch the game, he was just throwing it up and and praying. Um, I did see Jalen Rager run by people the way that he absolutely should. Djax got benched a little bit, and Doug Peterson actually came out and said that they want to keep him fresh. So starting Djax, he might only wind up having uh, like 50% of the snaps played in each game because they want to keep him healthy, which 
bodes well for Jalen Rager more than anybody else. So if you were thinking about <laughs> DJX being a good option, like each week, just because of the potential upside, you might want to double think that um, Dallas Goddard, as opposed to Zach Ertz, that may be a storyline throughout the year because the contract isn't the contract situation isn't going away. It looks like they want to elevate Dallas Goddard a little bit there. Dallas Goddard, if I'm, you know, being candid, he looked better than Zach Ertz. Dallas Goddard had on his touchdown. He tracked that ball over his wrong shoulder beautifully. Um, so Carson trusts him. As far as the backfield goes, Bryce Love actually being a healthy scratch blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it did, but it just blew my mind. I, and then the fact that Antonio Gibson only had 26 snaps further blew my mind even more. So I, I, I'm staying away from that backfield. I'm not, you can't start anybody and actually feel confident about it. Uh, Logan Thomas looked fantastic. Um I put in for him in a couple different leagues today, so we'll see how that turns out. I, If you need a tight end, I don't have a problem, especially in a dynasty league, blowing 20% of your, your fab on him just to get him because of the upside that he actually brings. How much are you blowing on him in, in fab? I don't need to. I listened to <laughs> episode four of the TFA Dino <laughs> show, and he's on every roster. Uh, if for some reason I didn't have him on, on a roster and he was out there, yeah, man, this is this is a guy that eight targets is no joke. I get it. It's week one. We're overreacting, but um, he's a guy I hyped before. His athletic profile is through the roof, man. Like, he ran a 4-6. He's super athletic. Dwayne Haskins has already shown that he likes to lean on the tight end. So, yeah, this is a guy that if you have a tight end need, you're in a tight end premium, whatever it might be, two tight end, 20 is, is maybe a minimum for those leagues. Like, you should be doing a decent amount. I think he is a, a good uh, – at least good for the tight end. You obviously need to kind of save a lot of that for running back wide receivers. So yeah, maybe 20, 25% is a good number for Logan Thomas. Moving into the late afternoon games, we have a snooze fest here. The Los Angeles Chargers 16 over the Bengals 13. Almost went to OT. They missed a late field goal to tie it at the end of regulation. Oh man, I was so big on Tyrod Taylor. I had him as a streamer for this week. Since he's defense, missing cornerbacks, missing Geno Adkins. Like, can you name somebody else on the Cincinnati Bengals? Because I can't. Uh, and he goes out and completes 53% of his passes, and 31 quarterbacks finish above him in fantasy points. Like, not great. Not great at all. Oh, and by the way, he only throws one time to Austin Eckler, who had 90 receptions, 100 receptions, whatever he had last year. Like, know what your team does well. You got the win, fine, but that that needs to get fixed for for future weeks. I'm fuming at the mouth. Flip side, Burrow looked like a rookie in, in my eyes. He had he had some good plays. He had some boneheaded. You talk about the pitch um, that that somehow got fumble. It, the fumble was a, attributed to Joe Mixon, I guess, because he technically touched it and and whatnot. But Joe Mixon gets a fumble. Uh, I didn't was, realize that. Yeah, it was, was absolutely Joe Burrow's fault, but whatever. He has a bad INT. Mixon will have better games, I think. That Chargers run defense is actually good. That Chargers defense, despite losing Derwin James, is is still legit. Like they're they're a team that I stream or will be streaming here uh, against good matchups. So nothing really stood out for me from the pass catchers. Like not great because it was you know a rookie's first start. But CJ Uzama did get five targets. I think that is a guy that Burrow looked to more than we've seen in the past for for CJ Uzama. Um, so in some, just like we're talking about with Logan Thomas, he's a guy that maybe a little bit less stoked about, but a guy that's just there, just there if you need him. 
What did you think about this game? I was more shocked that Tyler Boyd did nothing than mm-hmm. anything else, just because of how much Joe Burrow likes to, you know, work the middle of the field in the slot, and he did nothing. I don't even know what to say. Yep. I thought Boyd was actually going to be a really good play last week, and, and nothing. So. Yeah, I do think there's better weeks ahead. I think that Burrow will lean on Boyd um, in the center of the field. So we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye out for them. They they take on the Browns here on Thursday night football. You know, Browns defense has a couple of injuries in the secondary. They're not awful. Obviously, Miles uh, Garrett will will get to the quarterback here and there. So kind of a, an iffy matchup. But yeah, we'll we'll keep rolling here. The Saints have a really kind of fun win. I think it was kind of fun. I, maybe this is the hater in me to whoop up on Tom Brady. Uh, they beat him 34-23, and the mighty have fallen, man. Like, Thomas Brady gets a thunderous beatdown on the game of the week. He was an underdog, didn't cover. Maybe I'm gloating. I hope Patriots fans aren't listening to this. Sorry, CJ. Sorry, Ben. It's just kind of fun to see, and I don't even hate Brady. It was just – it was it was different. I wasn't used to it. Bruce Arians said that Rojo was his featured back, and he was. 17 carries, not great yardage out of it, but that Saints run defense is, I think, second to the Steelers' run defense. Like, they they shut down Leonard Fournette, they shut down Rojo, and they were good last year. So uh, the snapshot was a little bit more even. LaShawn McCoy came in when they were playing catch-up in the second half. Um, so that that's something that kind of maybe doesn't look great in the snapshot, but I think at least this was encouraging for week one uh, for Rojo. What are your thoughts kind of on that backfield? Like, I know the Panthers for week two is a good matchup for, for Rojo. Is he someone that you feel comfortable starting, or are you worried that Fournette might get more touches as he becomes more acclimated with that offense? I think Fournette has to get more touches. And uh, we talk about LaShawn McCoy coming in because he's the best pass-protecting back, and he had the most snaps, and he also led up the most hits and pressures as well. So – he did not do a great job in pass protection, so I'll be interested to see what they do out there protecting Brady, because that's not something that Brady's going to be like. Yeah, put him out there, let him let him get me hit. Uh, he will make them try something a little bit different. Aside from that, I mean, Mike Evans, Arians came out and said that they didn't use him right. <laughs> yeah, like at all, maybe at all. <laughs> yeah, Captain Obvious alert. Um, good job. I, I don't even. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. OJ Howard didn't look dead, which was fun. Uh, especially unless you, you have Rob Gronkowski <laughs> in your Scott Fishbowl league. I was just going to say, especially because you know we have Gronk. But are you worried about him, Gronk? Yeah, he'll get the work. Um, he'll get the red zone touchdowns, and I think he'll still wind up in that you know five to seven touchdown range, and he'll still have really good weeks, but. He'll get the red zone touchdowns, except when OJ Howard gets them in Week One. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like your tone, uh, but yeah, it, it will balance, you know. Sure, sure. So on the flip <laughs> side, the the Saints, it, it was really weird. Like Alvin Kamara gets less yardage than he does carries. Basically, um, I think he had 16 yards, maybe 12 carries, something like that. They they split carries with Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray actually has 15. So. That was a little bit weird of a situation. I thought it's maybe something to monitor. I think Latavius Murray is one of the top uh, handcuffs to own in fantasy football. That's not shocking news, but I think this game just reiterates that fact. And then we talked at the top of the show about Michael Thomas's injury. Um, do you do you like Manny Sanders, Traquan Smith, like any of these names kind of pop out to you 
as someone to to maybe look at as that next guy up in place of MT. I'll take uh, the Dust Bowl, as Kev would say, uh, Manny Sanders, just to step up there, just because he's a vet. Drew Brees is going to trust him to actually do the right thing. He actually trusted him his first game with him. I don't think it's close between the, the other wide receivers and Emmanuel Sanders. Okay. And then our last uh, late afternoon game, Arizona gets the upset win, 24-20 to 20 over the 49ers. And it was a big day for Kyler Murray. I think he showed that Lamar Jackson upside in his rushing right. He got 13 for 91 and a touchdown on the ground to go along with his 230 passing yards. He also had a touchdown through the air. Chase Edmonds had nine touches and a score. Uh, he's definitely behind Kenyon Drake in the snap share. Kenyon Drake had 71% to Edmonds 34. So he's definitely a, a distant uh, backup, but I think he's a guy that maybe has a little bit of standalone value. And if uh, Drake goes down, he's definitely got it. We need to pick up. Need to get your thoughts on Christian Kirk and your worry meter with him. One reception, grand total of zero yards. Hopkins on the other side of 16 targets. Kind of what did you think about this whole Arizona offense? I've been high on Christian Kirk since, you know, before he came out. So I'm not going to bail on him yet. There's still going to be enough targets. Kyler had 39 dropbacks in a clean pocket, which is was third best last week. So they're going to have clean pockets to throw in. Uh, even if Hopkins gets 16 targets, he's going to, you know, throw the ball around. So I feel like this was just something, you know, it, it's not going to happen all the time. This is just a complete, I can't think of the goddamn word. Holy shit, Robbie. An anomaly? Anomaly. There it is. Yes, I, I agree. I think it was an anomaly as well. On the other side of the football, Raheem Mostert, I think he looks locked in as a running back too, for sure. We were a little bit worried about Tevin Coleman's involvement, uh, Shanahan kind of mixing in those backs, but he looks really good with, with the receiving work. We haven't seen that before in the past. It's him getting that receiving work. He got it on Sunday, but I'm out on all of the San Francisco wide receivers. With Sanu coming in, I'm, I'm out on Kendrick Bourne, who I kind of talked about a little bit in that Sunday preview show. Brandon Ayuk, he's a rookie. I'm not, I'm not going to be you know, picking him up anywhere right now in redraft and, and Trent Taylor definitely farther down. So Debo is out until week six or excuse me, week four at the earliest. All right, all right, what's your thoughts on, on this side of the football? For a redraft, I'm not touching anything. That's it. That's the tweet. Yep. And that's all that needs to be said. We'll move on to Rams and Cowboys. I would love to go on a 10 minute rant about everything that this game did to me, but I can't. They lose Blake Jarwin to the ACL. LVE, Leighton Vanderesh, their middle linebacker, collarbone out eight to ten weeks. I think this was a tougher matchup than I, I honestly anticipated. I don't know what your thoughts were, but the Rams defense did a lot better than I thought they would. Maybe that's Dallas wasn't as prepared as they should be, but Dak did not look like the QB one going down the field that we saw last year. Um, he didn't have any deep shots until the very end, where Gallup, you know, maybe has has a bad offensive pass interference call. Maybe it's right. Kind of depends on who you ask. Zeke was Zeke. I think CD is going to be really, really good soon. He he had a good rookie debut, I think. Um, do you have any interest then with Jarwin going out and Dalton Schultz, who's now going to be the backup there, and kind of just your your overall thoughts on the Cowboys offense? Um, nope. I don't have any interest in uh, Dalton Schultz. I think the wide receivers will be fine. I think Zeke will be fine. I think Prescott will be fine. And I think this was just a case of a, you know, no, the Rams are not a bad team. Right. 
I, I, and it was just that that's all it was. They're a much better team than I think they get credit for. And they're a good defensive squad. They slowed them down enough to win. That, that, that is what it is. Yeah. And talking about their offensive side, I think Goff was pretty disappointed as well with the Cowboys defense, you know, losing a lot of pieces this offseason. We were hoping for a little bit more from him from a fantasy perspective. Malcolm Brown, on the other hand, did exactly what Malcolm Brown always does. In week one, he is a running back one, and he was actually a top five running back this week. Um, he found the end zone. He, he got the yardage. I think it was 15 for 75, if I remember correctly. And then Akers, you know, gets 14 carries in his own right, but only 39 yards. You know, as somebody who is a big Akers guy, are you worried? Is this, does this concern you a little bit? Or are you kind of the wait and see? What are your thoughts on this uh, Rams backfield? I still thought it would start off a little bit slow for Akers, but it is a little bit disturbing to see how good Malcolm Brown actually looked because he looked better than Cam Akers last week. He looked much more decisive. He looked bigger. He looked more explosive. So that's a little concerning. I think Akers' talent in the end is going to wind up winning out. So, you know, week three or four might take a little bit you know, longer than that. He might not get to that top five, top six you know, <laughs> craziness. But again, it was a bold prediction range. Right. Uh, but he's still got that upside. And uh, it's, I, I would go spend some money on Malcolm Brown to get him until he can't actually play well, which will happen because it's Malcolm Brown. Right. I might almost take not quite the opposite approach, but I was very low on, on rookies for week one, probably too low on some who actually, you know, John Taylor saved his day with, with all of his receiving work. But I was very like, I think you should sit him in most cases. And that was no different for Cam Akers. But I know that Malcolm Brown is not going to be long for this job. I do like his talent. Like, don't don't hear what I'm not saying. I do like Malcolm's Brown talent, but I do think this will be Cam Akers' job sooner rather than later. Um, they might split here for, you know, another four or five weeks. But eventually I do think Cam Akers takes over. Someone, who else, someone else who took over was Bobby Woods, which we'd been talking about him all offseason. Oh, wait, we were. So he Trees. absolutely – Exactly. Bobby Trees absolutely balled out. Cooper Cup was disappointed on the other end, but I think he'll be fine. He has a good matchup against your Eagles. I think he'll probably get a touchdown. He obviously is a touchdown machine, so he's somebody I'm not worried about long-term. And then Higby, Higby was okay. He had four targets, 30, 40 yards, three receptions, something like that. But I think he's overrated. I know you think similarly to that. So we will jump to Monday night. How about that? Let's jump right to Monday night. Pittsburgh beats the Giants 26-16. to Darius Slayton. <laughs> Six for 102. Two touchdowns. That's what he do. Barkley gets some receiving work as well. It saves his game because he was dreadful against a very, very tough matchup Not in good. Pittsburgh rushing defense. So Pittsburgh's D is somebody I'm going to be avoiding for running backs. Evan Ingram, as a guy I just traded for, I'm saying I'm still believing. Didn't look great. Had a drop, honestly, which is kind of rare for Evan Ingram. That's kind of you know his thing. He's not a blocking tight end. He's a receiving tight end. He he didn't look great, but you know one game I'm not going to freak out about it. Flip side of the ball, Big Ben looks healthy. You 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 have this like you you were the one that was like I'm I'm big on Big Ben. Is wide receivers, they're, they're absolutely going to benefit from this. Tell me what you think about the, that passing game. So I think that they might actually be able to support two top 24 wide receivers in Deontay Johnson and Juju if Ben stays healthy because he looked that good. Um, 
Deontay Johnson had a rough start with the muff punt and everything, but after that, he kind of picked it up. Juju looked really good, got into the end zone twice. Again, six catches. They both had six catches, so it's (laughs) – with Connor being out, are they really going to throw the ball to Snell very often, or are they just going to resort to throwing the ball down the field more often? So I'm excited about this offense. I'm excited about the wide receivers, and I'm excited about Ben. Yeah, speaking of Benny Snell, that is another guy, episode four, Deep Dynasty Sleepers. Check it out. Um, that I that I was like, you know what? The glass man, James Conner, gets hurt early and often, and he did that this this year already. So I think Benny Snell is a guy that we didn't love. You know, he didn't have great production last year, but he looked like a different guy. Training camp, they hyped how he looked different this year, and he was one injury away, and now he, he balled out in week one. That is probably my biggest buy on the Pittsburgh offense. Let's wrap it up. We have Tennessee last minute, well, last couple minute field goal uh, over the Denver Broncos. They win 16 to 14. And we have Noah Fantastic taking absolute advantage of Cortland Sutton missing the game. He goes five for 81 in the touchdown. Now, is this a guy you like rest of the season or when Fant comes back? Are you a little nervous for what uh, Noah Fant can do on a week to week basis? So when Sutton comes back, I, I actually think Fant can increase his production. He had the sixth most uh, balls thrown over 20 yards to him as far as like yards down the field. So I it's going to open things up for him. It's going to open things up for Judy. So just underneath routes, what Fant was doing, the seam routes, everything across the middle, it doesn't even matter. You can already tell Drew Locke likes throwing the ball to him, and Noah Fant looked really good running the ball after he got a hold of it last night. So I think he's he's actually going to be a really good target to uh, try and acquire in dynasties if you can. I'm not sure what I'm going to pay for him because if you own Noah Fant at this, at this point, you're going to probably be asking for the world. Yeah, no, I, I think you will. And, and people know that. They've been sitting on him for a while. Him and Hawkinson, you're, you're going to have to pay up to get him. So – for, for a dynasty buy, that's going to cost you a pretty penny. Melvin Gordon, a guy that I've been touting as a huge bust, said, no, Robbie, absolutely not. I can ball. And he goes 15 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown, tacks on three receptions. Philip Lindsay out with turf toe. He's a little bit more intriguing, got to admit. Um, he's still somebody that I don't love in that offense. I do think that when Sutton's back there and air it out more, the offensive line held up better than I thought they would. It's just week one again, though. I'm not going to back away from my Melvin Gordon hate, but it's a little bit more intriguing with Phil Lindsay out. Uh, you know, on the flip side of the ball, Tannehill threw 43 times, which was more than any game last year. I don't think that happens again, but Corey Davis took full advantage of that. He goes seven for 101. Woo. AJ Brown is pretty, pretty pedestrian. Uh, you, are you nervous at all? Are we going to overreact? Do you remember – in a previous pod, I said, what if Corey Davis is still a thing? Yes, and I think <laughs> I laughed at you. You did. Uh, what if Corey Davis is still a thing? Ha ha. I'm, I'm not <laughs> laughing as confidently. <laughs> not as much, but uh, if they're going to throw that much, which I don't think is going to be very often, I think we can probably say 35 times a game is – that's even a little bit much, in my opinion. It should probably be between 30 and 33 times a game where they're going to wind up throwing the ball. So I'm still not sure that the volume is going to be there for Corey Davis to be you know, better than A.J. Brown no matter what, just because A.J. Brown's going to be more efficient. 
but uh, I was very interested to see this just because of what it does for the Tennessee offense. Does that open things up more for Derrick Henry? Like, well, I, I hope so. I mean, they still ran him 31 times, and his yards per carry wasn't great. Hmm. But he, he's a lock running back one for me because he got 117 yards, and you know that volume is always going to be there. And oh, by the way, speaking of what running backs who can catch who we didn't think can catch, he had three receptions for 15 yards. Not great, Bob, but that's three extra points in PPR leagues, four and a half extra if you count the yardage. Johnny Smith at tight end also finds the end zone. He was four for 36. He's a guy that Kev has been hyping up all offseason, and I think he's a guy that we need to pick up and redraft. And then, I don't know, he's a guy I kind of like in Dynasty, and I don't think his price is going to be as high as some of these other guys we've been talking about. Tom, we've done all the games. There was a bunch. There was no bye week, so we did literally, was that, 16 games? Is that the math, right? 32 teams divided by The math checks out, Robbie. Math checks out. checks out. And let's finish up with just one guy that you want to trade for in Dynasty to kind of improve some of these teams that you've been building here for a while. All right, so I'm going to try and go after Deontay Johnson. Um, Again, I, I already said it about him earlier in the show. He started off slow, and then as the game went on, he got better. I think he could be a top 24 wide receiver this year. Go out and get him. I'm not sure exactly what he's going to wind up costing. He, you know, a low, if it's a late first, I would really consider it in next year's draft. Yeah. And and my guy's going to be Christian Kirk. I, I know you already said you liked him. I liked him from the pre-draft process. You can't get much worse than a goose egg on week one. It, it kind of sucks. But I do think there's better days ahead. That's a guy that I'm going to try and acquire as a flex option here um, in in the weeks going forward. So, Tom, that's all we have. I'm at NFL Robbie on Twitter. Tom is at Dynasty Infidel. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We have Sitter Starts. We have Waiver Wire. We have Dynasty. We have DFS. Literally all that you can need for your fantasy seasons. Tom, until episode eight, see ya.